Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. We've got a beauty of a podcast for you this week and next week as we're going to split this up over two weeks because it's such a massive thing. But let me introduce us before we get into the films. My name is Alan. Over there is my usual partner, Sol Harris. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Sorry, joining did, us did you want did you want me to say, come with me if you want to live or something? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll be oh, back. Uh, I know now why you cry. <laughs> there, <laughs> use that one. And and with us, as occasionally, is Gareth Allen, old but not obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good, very good. So, uh, some of you may have worked out from those quotes, or indeed by looking at the title of the episode you clicked on, that this is part one of a two part ep- uh, two part look at the Terminator franchise. And it's, <laughs> all, this is one of the big one of the big gaps in our podcast history, isn't it? Terminator. How's it taken us three years to do the Terminator? Well, I think more than anything, we were waiting for him to make this bloody new one. Yeah, yeah. To curl out a new sequel. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it is James Cameron uh, pulling this new one together, and he is notorious for dragging his heels. Yeah. So don't blame us. This week we're going to look at Terminator 1 and 2, a.k.a. The Good Terminators, and then next week we'll be looking at 3, 4, and 5, uh, which are the not-so-good ones. I thought we were doing 1, 2, 3, because they're kind of a trilogy, and then we were going to do the second... There's two Terminator trilogies, Alan. There's the Terminator trilogy, and then there's another trilogy of films that were supposed to launch their own trilogies, but the trilogies got aborted (laughs) because the films were so shit. I like the idea of talking about the good ones and then contrasting it with yeah, the others. I would prefer to do that way. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do that then. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess we can jump straight in with uh, 1984's The the Terminator. A uh, bit of background. It's James Cameron's project here. Of course, uh, a, a young director at that point, uh, unproven. In t- to some respect. What was he made before? Was it the Piranha film he made before? Piranha that? 2, and even that is yeah. contentious as to whether or not it really counts. Have either of you seen Piranha 2? Because I haven't. I haven't, actually. It's it's the one James Cameron film I haven't uh, done. Um, I don't think I have either, no. Well, you know, we're all being very dismissive about Piranha 2, The Spawning, but, you know, <laughs> it might be a hidden gem. You're right. You're, you're right, yeah. <laughs> This film was really a, a low-budget little little uh, throwaway project, I think, that someone was putting together, and it's become a huge thing. He wrote the screenplay. They said, this is dynamite, James. This is fantastic. And uh, they, they offered him a lot of money for it, and he said, sure, but uh, I, I want to direct. And they were like, oh, all right, well, you can do that, but we'll give you, like, a twentieth of the money for it, and he went, mm, "All right." <laughs> well, I'm curious about where this sits because, because I, I imagined that this was just an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. You know, if you look at his films, he's got the Conan films that have just happened, and Red Sonja and Commando, yeah. and all of those films are very much Arnie just doing the Arnie thing, and they're all pretty forgettable uh, and sort of of their time. Yeah. And, and and it seems odd that the Terminator persists. That it's survived in this way, I, I I don't think at the time that would have been expected. I think it, they probably just thought it was another Arnold Schwarzenegger film to knock out. 
Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger was not a huge star. We can put some money in this and bank on the box office. Certainly not. Mm. He was a he was a big muscly guy who played big muscly guys who can't speak English. Uh, do you, do you know anything about the background of this film, Sol? Because I, I don't want to. I I I do I do know the story that James Cameron uh, allegedly had a dream of yeah. like a big robot hand reaching out from the flames and wrote the film backwards to. Um, accommodate that shot <laughs> but beyond that yeah I have, I have no idea and I must say conceptually I, I, I think this film is a, a an absolute stroke of genius you know it, it's this big big story that they're telling but they've you know found a way to kind of bring it back to something relatable relatively low budget and more grounded as a result it's, it's uh but it's it's a chase movie, isn't it? It's 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 you know you're being chased yeah. by the evil incarnate slasher film. Yeah. It it reminded me of Halloween rewatching this first one, especially now that Linda Hamilton's coming back for the new one that's apparently retconning all the <laughs> shit sequels. Well, when when this came out, I remember everyone everyone said that it was supposed to be a remake of Westworld. Oh yeah, with Brinner. Uh, and and I don't mean the Westworld, you know, the recent HBO series, but yeah, the, the original God, I film. About and and I have seen that film, but not for a very long time. And 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 it is basically it's you know he's a cowboy instead of a robot, but he's basically this unkillable, unstoppable machine that will chase you until you are dead. And and you know, I, th- I think. I don't know how uh, how intimate James Cameron was with the story of Westworld, but you know it does follow the same beats. Yeah, not as much as Jurassic Park though. He's got this script. Uh, I believe Gail Ann Hurd was the producer who kind of took it on. She's a credited co-writer, although James Cameron suggests she didn't add anything to the script. But uh, and she certainly she's not a writer on the other films they did together. But they did eventually get married, so obviously they they worked well together. Uh, and then they got divorced, so obviously it didn't work that well. He's had a lot of wives, hasn't he? He likes to marry producers, doesn't he? Didn't he marry Linda Hamilton? He did. I think he just, okay. he seems to really like square-jawed women. <laughs> He's definitely got a type. How many wives has he had? Is it is it just those two and Catherine Bigelow, or are there other ones I don't know about? There's there's two others, yeah. Originally they wanted, they were, they were trying to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Kyle Reese. Yeah, they wanted O.J. Simpson, didn't they, as the Terminator? <laughs> uh, yes, and, yes. And they said, um, he's too friendly. He, he he's could never nice. kill anyone. That's not believable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the problem being that Schwarzenegger was so so big that like you need to find someone bigger to play the killing robot machine. Also, you know, that whole, like, doesn't speak English very well thing. So, you know, somehow along the lines, they, they managed to finagle it so that it got Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, which now, in retrospect, obviously, seems like a totally genius idea. Pretty much a career career making um, role for for Schwarzenegger. He was he had already done yeah Conan and Red Sonja. Matt, it was around this time and yeah Hercules in New York and all that sort of thing. But it it changed him from yeah this kind of little he can play the the muscle guy to complete Hollywood A-lister action star. I was really worried. We, I, I've joined you for these podcasts recently. We've done the Rambo films. We did the Beverly Hills Cop films. And they were films I loved. And having watched them again, you've sort of ruined them for me. <laughs> but, but, but I'm happy to say that this film, this film held up. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I guess I've seen this film quite a few times over the years. It wasn't like a total, like, oh, I haven't seen this for 20 years sort of experience for me. But 
it's definitely showing its age now, put it that way. And it was it was low budget at the time, so it's not like it was at the cutting edge yeah. of nineteen eighty four yeah. anyway. So but I but I think when I watch it, I I kind of take that into account and 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 see it with that in mind. Uh, and I think they do an excellent job with what they've got. Yeah. Well, I watched this with a thirteen year old boy with my son, and um, you know he he was like that. You know, get too far ahead, but where, where there's some special effects where he was a little bit giggly. Yeah. But um, but but generally speaking, he he was impressed with it. You know, the, the stop motion with the metal Terminator. He, yeah. he said that was very impressive. So, so for 1984, I think you know, I think they did a good job, especially on such a low budget. I I can't, I genuinely cannot remember when I last watched these films. So it's a while then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really has been a long time. I mean, God, I, with with regards to the the third one onwards, you know, I think it was a case of in the cinema and never again. But yeah, the the, the first two, it's been so long, I I could barely remember them. It's weird, isn't it? Because because I like them. So when you came back to watching this for again, how how did it go? How was it? Basically, I just I remembered loads of stuff from it that was actually from the second film. That's pretty much um, okay. Like the the bit where they appear in time balls at the start. I was remembering that as yeah. it happens in the second one when Arnie goes and get like goes. I like your clothes or whatever it is. I need your clothes, Give, your boots, need your, your, motorcycle. your clothes, I, I, your boots, your that's motorcycle. It. I remembered him doing the bit from the second one. I remember him going, "I need your boots, your clothes, and your motorcycle." But he doesn't say that yeah, in the first the one. It was, not, one. It was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I had the same experience, Sol. And we, we talked about this in Rambo, didn't we? As well, you know, you kind of your memories of it are of that 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 sort of the bigger sequel rather than the the, the quieter original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely. I had the same experience. Those those sort of um, those cliches. They are. I think they're more Terminator Two than Terminator One. Uh, so let's get into the actual film itself. There's a little flash forward at the start, isn't there, where we see that sort of shonky model in a car being thrown around, and you know the the machines killing everybody. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that opening. No, it sort of looks like a Duran Duran video. Right? It's just, uh, you know, it's not really. It's, you're not really learning much other than future equals bad. It was. It was a simple bit of exposition. It was just like, right, let's get this set up and and get on with it. I, um, I, I, very, yeah, very straightforward. I totally get why it's there, um, but it it just feels a little bit like I don't know. It 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 feels a bit to me. I think it would be better if we just started in 1984 and then all this weird shit happened, and you're yeah. like, what the fuck? And then you get that extended flash forward anyway later on in the film, so you still have a glimpse of it. That's how I would have done it. But I imagine the, yeah. the thought process was we gotta hook the audience. We gotta let them see what's. Yeah, it looks old, doesn't it? They don't. They didn't have the budget to do it. Well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We see a big naked man uh, appear, like Mr. Bean, on the uh, on the on the ground. <laughs> How is it like Mr. Bean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you not seen the opening to Mr. Bean the TV? I, show? I have. I haven't seen any of the Mr. Bean films, so that well, must no, it's on me. In I'm the, sorry. It's in the TV series. He just appears in a shaft of light and on the ground. Anyway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we get a punk Bill Paxton, which is a, a real highlight of the film. Yeah, wash day tomorrow, nothing clean. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have Arnie, the Terminator, has a little to-do with a couple of punks. <laughs> he takes their, uh, you know, their, their clothes, their boots and their motorcycles. And then, so when, do, when does Kyle turn up? When does Kyle Reese 
I, t I tell you what was interesting about this, watching this with uh, with my son. Uh, Kyle turns up, and as we, as we are going to come to understand, Kyle is there to protect Sarah Connor. Uh, but but that's not actually clear from the start. And and as we were watching it, it's only when they have the big confrontation in that nightclub that that we realise Kyle is not another Terminator. Right. So as we were watching it, as, as well as, as my son was watching it for the first time, he just thought. Kyle Reese was a crap Terminator. <laughs> He'd like fallen awkwardly as he came through time. See, I <laughs> wasn't as good at getting close. He's the Mr. Bean Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, 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 for me, this was a film that I first came to through pop culture and I'd kind of absorbed through osmosis and I'd seen mm. South Park and The Simpsons and all sorts of things do their own elaborate parodies of it. Aaron, I'm standing at the time portal which scientists say follows Terminator rules. That is, it's one way only and you can't go back. This is in contrast to say Back to the Future rules where back and forth is possible. And of course, Time Rider rules which are just plain silly. Anyway, it appears that the man from the future is here to stay. As a result, that that twist never played for me and it was only on this rewatch that I really realized, oh yeah, look, this is actually exactly. a, a, a twist. Um, a reveal, and and I hadn't realised that either because I haven't seen this for the first time for thirty five yeah. years. So it was interesting to watch it with someone for the first time. But you're right, uh, Kyle Reese kind of just plays like a shit Terminator. He's like the creepy. <laughs> he's the creepy one, and Arnie. He's like the brains, and Arnie's the brawn. Classic double. <laughs> yeah, don't get him, Arnie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> It's a, and plus, you got the police there, like trying to follow the like the pattern mm -hmm. and all that. So it's more like a you know a detective murder mystery sort of thing, yeah. Sort of serial killer, um, and yeah. And then you've got the 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 girl, the damsel in distress, who is going to be the next victim. And, um, I'm not surprised she's in distress. Have you seen her hair? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Looks like one of those one of those show dogs that had sex with Susie Quattro. <laughs> That's one for the youngsters. <laughs> I had I had forgotten just how eighties it all was. Yeah. Yeah, man. Eighty four. <laughs> yeah, not like the your punks, your, like, like not even the right era for that. But then you got the you know the nightclub and all that sort of thing. It's to the point that when it became time to make Terminator Genesis, recreating scenes from the first film digitally to get them exactly spot on, exactly as they looked going back to the old footage and the old rushes and, like, tinkering with them. But when it came to Linda Hamilton's haircut, they were like, no, 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 just don't do that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just give her a yeah. normal haircut. Just give her a normal haircut. <laughs> People will just won't believe it. <laughs> this was the first, well, the most notable thing that I don't think I really picked up on when I was younger, when I last watched this film. The acting's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I did make a note of, I think we're seeing why Michael Bean's career never quite <laughs> paid off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about Michael Bean first then, because I, I, again, as a child of the 80s who loved action films, Michael Bean was a massive star for about 20 minutes. Yeah, well, it was two films. You know, he was, he was in this, he was in Aliens, he was huge, he was in all the best films. Was you know? No, he was in this and, and Aliens. Just, I, just thought, <laughs> I just thought he was James Cameron's mate, like Bill Paxton. Well, I guess I guess looking back, that does seem now fairly obvious. <laughs> to watch this film and go, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one who's gonna career is gonna go take off from this is not the obvious thing because it's not like it's not like his acting really stands out. I think there's an idea that like Arnie was this incredibly charismatic 
imposing figure in this film, and even even that doesn't really work for me. I don't think I I don't particularly think much of him here either. Um, he's just he's there. He says the lines. I don't <laughs> I don't think he's really bringing all that much to it. But yeah, but the, to, to to I mean, his career is extraordinary, frankly, given the just the name. You know, like he, he's credited as Arnold Strong in a couple of very early things, uh, but that name is completely ridiculous and it's it's like no no branding person no agent would tell you to use that name especially in the 80s is uh, uh, is mark strong not his real name (laughs) (laughs) is he is he he an austrian immigrant on the sly The voice, the fact that he, when he first he first starring in American films, he doesn't even speak English. Probably. Oh, they dubbed him over um, with another actor in some of his early films. The, the fact that he managed to turn that into a a list Hollywood like leading man is it's remarkable, really. This is definitely his most iconic role, I would say, despite the rest of his career being very iconic as well. But this this is the one. Yeah, you, you, you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think you think of the poster for Terminator with him wearing sunglasses, yeah. holding a gun, leather jacket. <laughs> one red eye. <laughs> so, well, the, the one of the member of cast that I want to mention is Lance Henriksen. It looks like it's another sort of Bill Paxton situation. He's a mate of James Cameron. Uh, but notable, he, he plays a minor role here, but notable just because James Cameron wanted him as the Terminator. Oh, um, really? Right. Yeah, and... the. And and like if you see him as Bishop in Aliens, it's kind of robotic nature to it. Yeah. Uh, but they obviously. Well, I, I mean, the the Terminator in the second film, Robert Patrick, he's a poor man. He's Lance physically similar to to Lance. If Lance Henriksen hadn't played that part in Aliens, it probably would have been Lance Henriksen. I mean, that's complete speculation on my yeah. part. But Robert Patrick looks like a young Lance Henriksen. Yeah. I don't know if calling him the poor man's Lance Henriksen's quite fair. Maybe like the Aldi uh. knockoff. Um, Lance Hendrickson, because Aldi do very good stuff with their knockoffs, so I just want to give Robert Patrick a bit of credit, but yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to it, we'll come back to it. Back to the uh, plot, Uh, what about that scene where we have a big fake Arnie head? (laughs) Self-surgery scene. Oh, where he's repairing himself. Yeah, yeah, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, well, the the funny thing was, just before that scene, he he repairs his arm, doesn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and Thomas said, uh, again, the 13-year-old uh, judge in the corner said, that's pretty good, that's a really good effect. Mm-hmm. And then it flicked up to his eye and Thomas laughed at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, well... I, <laughs> he, said, he said, oh, it looks like Planet yeah, of the Apes. My, my, <laughs> and I've got to tell you, he didn't mean the new Planet of the Apes. My, uh, my, my partner couldn't watch as he was cutting into his arm. She, she was like, oh, tell me when it stopped, uh, it's freaking me out. And then the rubbery face came out, and she was like, "Oh, it's shit." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, similar. It does it doesn't hold up to today's standards? It's true, but I must admit, and we've we've had this discussion before. When it comes to old school practical effects like that, when I see shit effects like that, it just it gives me a sense of nostalgia somehow, and it's kind of like cute. Yeah. Whereas when I see crap CGI effects from like two thousand one, you just think, "Oh, this is crap." This was another one where I was confusing it with Terminator Two because they have another. Arnold surgery scene that um oh, we'll get into that. Yeah, then. yeah, but again I was kind of confusing it with that one, so I can go with it. 
but yeah, it doesn't look great, does it? Did it look good at the time? I, I, I don't know. Were people accept? I don't think it did. I, I don't think it did. I remember. I remember. I remember that scene being um, a little bit uh, making me feel a little bit ill because he's poking a scalpel into his eye. But but then thinking, oh, but it's obviously just wrong. yeah. There, there, there were there were films from this era with similar animatronic kind of effects and what have you that look so much better. I I just I don't think that the era. I think it's the the fact it was a very low budget film for what it was. You know, the thing was made around this time, and the effects in that are, yeah. are outstanding. So mm. we'll be talking about that soon. Aren't mm. we? Okay, so the one. The one really big misfire in the whole film for me is the love story between Oh Kyle yeah, and, I mean Sarah Connor. Not not just um an annoying crammed in love story, not just that we're meant to buy that these two fall in love like immediately and their love mm. is anything more than just like they get horny for each other and all that in a in the moment of passion, yeah. yeah. Not just all that, mm. but then they try and justify it by giving Kyle Reese this uh, backstory that he basically w- used to wank off over a photo of her for like twenty years. <laughs> yeah, but bear in mind this is I... uh, they cut the internet off by that point. So, <laughs> and bear in mind that is a pretty sexy headline. <laughs> but it, I mean, this is probably the element of the film that's aged the most poorly. I would say the idea yeah. that Kyle Reese spends his entire life obsessing over this woman and I think we're meant to take that as kind of a nice, noble beautiful, romantic story rather than Mm. him being a fucking creep. Yes Uh, it's yeah, it just doesn't play at all. And like the, I like the idea that he comes back in time and fucks her, and then that he's John Connor's dad. Yeah, I I agree. I I circle is complete. Played it as more of a kind of. Hey, look! Sometimes people have a a bit of a rough tumble in the sack, and it leads to a baby. Yeah. And you know this shit happens, man. And yeah, they're in a stressful situation. They want to, they need to, you know, take solace in each other. That's that's I get that. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> once again, Alan, your problem with this entire uh, part of the story is that human beings express love for each other. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just I, I just—it's the idea that it's the idea that in those what eight hours together they experienced more love than five hundred lifetimes or whatever she says. It's like fuck off. No, you yeah. didn't. I, I, I mean, I can buy that if you experience something very brief and then it's torn away from you, you can kind of that 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 you, you you'll forever remember it as that initial spark of excitement and believe yeah. that. But it's not true, is it? That's not how it works. Imagine if he'd stayed alive, she'd just be getting pissed off with him not being able to set the clock on the VCR and stuff like that. He'd be like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> What's a VCR?" Oh, you know, you've st- <laughs> you've stolen my soul with that camera. <laughs> She'd be getting sick of it. I mean, of course, they have more technology in the future, so I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> You'd be like, "Where, where's your laser cigarette lighter? We don't have those yet." Oh, for fuck's sake! Only what you see, pal. <laughs> Did you, one of my favourite scenes from when I was a kid was that where 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 um, the Terminator goes to the gun shop and he buys the guns. Oh yeah, it's the first time he says "Who's in that yeah. And uh, <laughs> where, where he asks for some phase plasma rifle. Only what you see, pal. <laughs> and uh, that that was a line we used to use a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> He's trying to get into the police station. They won't let him in. So he has a look at the dimensions of the building. He goes, "I'll be back." 
Now, now who who could imagine that that would still be going oh on? Oh God, years why? Later? It's still still trotting that out. It's so throwaway. It's not like a clever line. It's not like a cool line. It's not even a particularly great scene in this film. There's much better scenes, but that is the famous line. Yeah, I don't know why. And they brought it back. It is, in, and it's still being repeated and parodied to this day. In every single Terminator film, yeah. By Arnold Schwarzenegger. He just he can't stop saying it. It's like Tourette. I get it, right? They're making Terminator 2. So what do you put on the poster? You put, I'll be back, or I came back, or whatever. Like, fine. Play I it. told you I'd be back. Yeah. But then... After that, <clears throat> it even jumped. It even jumped the shark to Arnold's uh, political career. You know, he used to he used to say it at his political rallies when he was running for Did governor he? of California. What he just went up in front. I'm of... going to terminate yeah. the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he properly leaned into it, Sol. He really leaned into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, November eleventh. Was it just back. Terminator, or did he go up on the podium and say like, "This other guy running for"? The Democrats, he's one ugly motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) What's your position on the uh, Afghanistan war? If they bleed, we can kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be the people's governor. I will work honestly, without fear or favor, to do what is right for all Californians. Join Arnold and let's bring California back. Well, I, I know we're all sick of I'll be back, but I've done an I'll be back quiz. Would you like to? Uh, would you like to play? Oh please? yeah. Which of these films in the the classic era does he not say I'll be back? Commando, Running Man, Red Heat, Total Recall. So he says it in three of those four films. Uh, Total Recall. I'm a big fan of Running Man. Uh, does he? I think he definitely says it. He definitely says it in that. What were the other options? He does. Commander. He definitely says it in Running Man to the to the quiz show. I'm, I'm going with Total Recall. It's the only one of those I've seen, and I don't remember him saying it in it. You're joking, Sol. Oh, we've got so many more of these podcasts to do. <laughs> no, he does say it in Total Recall. He does. He says it in Total Recall just before he gets put into the machine where they're going to wipe his brain. I'm going to go with Red Heat. Was that one of the... Correct. Because be- he Red barely Heat. speaks English in that. He barely speaks at all. Exactly. Red Heat's probably the first one that you could legitimately call a comedy. Although, it's he's, he's in that with uh, James Belushi. And, and ostensibly, Belushi's doing the comedy turn. But, um, but yes, that's where he's trying to change his style a little bit. Has he never done a film where... He like needs to grab a disguise, him and him and someone else, and they're in the cost. They they like end up in a like a a concert or something where people are dressed up as classic composers, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he and they look at the costume rack and he says, "You'll be Mozart, I'll be back." <laughs> you should you should send that into Saturday Night Live, Soul. I'll send it. To, I'll send it into Graham <laughs> Linehan. I think. Start at the end and work backwards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's a question for you. Quick one. In which film uh, is the phrase said in a strong Irish accent? Oh, you'll be back. Not by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, I'm going to go with Snatch. One of the many spoofs. Is it it Total Recall, the remake starring Colin Farrell? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good suggestion, actually. No, it's not. No, it is, in fact... The Mrs. Brown's Boys movie. <laughs> oh, my God. 
1991, a band, and I use that word in inverted commas, <laughs> called Arnie and the Terminators, <laughs> released a song called I'll Be Back. Shamefully, this reached number five. Wow. Who were the people behind Arnie and the Terminators? Oh, I've got a guess. I've got a guess. Go on. KLF. No, but that's quite a good guess. Mm. No, it's not. Uh, Stock, Stock Aitken and Waterman. No, I'll tell you who it was. Yeah. It was it was the the posse from Steve Wright in the Afternoon <laughs> Radio 1 show. <laughs> oh, so this is, I'm going to send this to you now. And we, you, Sol, you'll have to edit this in because this is, this is brilliant. I've never had a problem in getting what I like. You don't need please or thank you. You just need... I'll be back. I'll be back. So this was this was obviously this is a terrible business. It was obviously a light-hearted throwaway character that they then turned into a jingle and then inexplicably metastasized into a record without anyone saying it was a bad idea. Uh, and they were on top of the pops, the drunkenly performing this terrible, terrible business. Yeah. But this is how big Arnold Schwarzenegger was in 1991. Do you? Uh, um, uh, Steve Wright. Steve Wright's still on, isn't he? He's on Radio Two yeah. now. I haven't listened to Steve Wright in the afternoon for years. But when I was a kid, he was like, that was that was comedy back in the 90s, you know. <laughs> Steve Wright and his gurning posse of laughing monkeys who would just chuckle along to whatever bullshit he spouted. <laughs> and then occasionally he would let one of them do a little character. Ding dong. And this, this, this is the result. Should we, should we just make it clear that this is Steve Wright, the British DJ, not Stephen Wright, the American comedian who's in <laughs> Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> <laughs> This is this next one's a big hit from Arnie and the Terminators. Oh god! Right, we've all got to we've all got to write a Stephen Wright joke about Terminators. <laughs> oh god! All I can do, all I can think of is Terminator. I just met her, and that's not in the style of Stephen Wright at all. <laughs> that's good. That's good though. I should have used that as a tagline for the film, to be honest. <laughs> Terminator. I barely know it. <laughs> All right, last question, which is uh, more about uh, the ridiculous names of Arnold Schwarzenegger's characters. So oh, I'm going to okay. give you five character names from Arnold Schwarzenegger's films, and you tell me which ones of these are real. One oh, okay. of these is not true. So in Commando, he's called John Matrix. Uh, John Matrix. That's real. That's real. <laughs> yeah. In True Lies, he's called Harry Tasker. That, that's, I think, that's I definitely think that's true. Real. Yeah, I think yeah. that's real. In Total Recall, he's called Dennis Quaid. That's uh, real. Yeah. No, it's not. In, no, wait. In Running Man, he's called Ben Richards. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. And in Expendables 2, he's called Trench Mauser. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound real. <laughs> <laughs> right, I I know I've definitely heard of Johnny Matrix or whatever it was. John so Matrix sure is definitely correct. Chan Matrix, <laughs> yeah, definitely correct. Uh, I know I know yeah. which one's wrong. Uh, I know this one. It's Total Recall. His Douglas Quaid. Dennis he is, Quaid yeah, it's not Dennis Quaid. I was trying to I was trying to lure you in there. <laughs> Quaid. All right, that's the quiz. <laughs> Where are we with the Terminator then? Um, the- one thing I wanted to mention, which I liked. Um, which is kind of one of those things that you take for granted now. I like the, the, the sort of Terminator vision, you know, where we see the world from oh, his yeah. infrared point of view. And I wondered if that was, if that was original. 
You know, because you see that a lot nowadays. Like, I think of Robocop and other things, but... I think that was something they might have cribbed from Westworld. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. There's a nice moment where he, he chooses what to say and he decides to say, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, again, when I, was, when I was 11, that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> and Predator, we see in, in, in another Arnie film, we see, we see from the Predator's point yeah. of view, don't we? And, of course, in, uh, in Junior... You see it from the the baby's point of view in the womb. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I mean, that that actually could be right. I don't know if you're taking the piss. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that film. Is 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 that film really about Arnold Schwarzenegger giving birth? Did that yeah. happen? Yeah. I didn't just misunderstand no. a plot synopsis. That is what it's about, right? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely Alan right. Alan Schwarzenegger is a pregnant man, yeah. Wow. Alan, let's talk at the end of the film. Um, let's just talk about the bit where, well, where Arnie's not in anymore. So the, the, there's that big uh, petrol tanker explosion, big fire. And, and that's the first moment where we think, all oh, right, the, the Terminator's dead. They've escaped. And then suddenly it, it comes, cr- the exoskeleton so it's an endoskeleton, metal skeleton comes out of the um, out of the flames, <laughs> and that is a terrific moment. That is a really great yeah, cinematic yeah, moment yeah, yeah. where that that skeleton comes towards him. You know what annoys me with it is that Kyle Reese seems to be surprised. <laughs> well, surely he's encountered yeah. using fire on a Terminator before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a big old but, explosion as well, you know. But uh, yeah, right. You know, to give him the yeah. I mean, you know, it 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 it, it is a great moment. And a classic slasher slasher thing, yeah. It's very much the whole thing. And, and in terms of we, you know, we, that moment, you can definitely tell that that's yeah. what... We've uh, slagged off the CGI, but but the, the 13-year-old boy was very impressed with that. I, I, was it stop-motion animation, that? It yeah. Was very good. Yeah, yeah. And it gets away with using stop-start, uh, which can look a bit shit, uh, I think, more than anything, because it is a robot. Yeah. So it, you know, Slightly it's all right that it looks movements. vaguely... Yeah, yeah that, that works in its favour. I must say, uh, although the Terminator looks kind of creepy, I don't think you ever really get much of a sense of any like impending, overbearing power behind it in this film. I, I don't think it's really as menacing as uh, it ought to be. I, I don't find the Terminator very scary. As, which do you mean, as a robot or when it's Arnie? Well, both. I disagree. I disagree. I, I, think, he's, I think he's a really good bogeyman. I, I, you know that, that you know that speech. It, it can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will not stop ever until you are dead. I think, you know, I mean that's pretty on the nose in terms of spelling it out to us. But but I I, I think the action gives you that. The action makes you feel that it will not be stopped. It's 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 the unstoppable force. You know, I I feel that. I I watching the film again even now. I feel that remorselessness. Mm. I don't know. I just I just uh, I don't know. I, I I think I think this might be. I've been spoiled with with modern effects and modern films and things. He just he always looks like you could, like when he smashes through the glass of that door and he's trying to get in, and it's like it's just a puppet. And it's like, well, I could fight. I could beat that in a fight. <laughs> it's like fucking Kermit. <laughs> like, great. It looks it looks very good. It's very believable, but it doesn't feel like it's any got. It's it just doesn't feel like it's got the weight and the power behind it. And when it's Arnie. It's just a bit too. Oh, it's a bloke. Mm. I just I don't know it, it. It just never quite plays as scary for me as I think it's meant to here. What about in the we we we, we glossed over the police station where he sort of cuts through all those police like a hot knife through butter. Well, it's just a guy I, with a gun. I think that's a great scene. 
I get that the Daleks used to have people hiding behind the sofa in the old days as well. And, uh, <laughs> you know, people were easier to scare back then, weren't they? Frankenstein's a PG. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at the back end of this film, it started getting a bit slack. It was just sort of like action sequences. So I was ready to be, for it to be finished. But it, it's an odd it's an odd script, uh, the structure of it. I just sort of feel like it needs something else. And then what they give us is this love story that doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think the chase is enough. I think as we move on to the later films, when they try to make it a, a larger world, yeah. that's where yeah, it, it sort of gets a bit too baggy for me. I think, I think it's, a re- it's a taut chase film, and that's good. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think this film's strength is its imagination. Uh, it, it's got a lot of great ideas and concepts dotted around in it. A little bit more of that would have gone a long way because I agree, it does get a bit baggy near the end, and it, it's it's just a bit too long. It's it's weird because I I I think the pacing in the original Westworld is brilliant, but Terminator is a good fifteen twenty minutes longer than Westworld, and there's not a huge deal more in terms of story. Plus, Westworld's one of those slow burn films where you have about 40 minutes before shit hits the fan and you're just waiting for it, whereas Terminator throws you straight into the action, essentially. So they're really stretching it out. Yeah. But, you know, I I, I feel like I sound like I've been very negative, uh, and I, I really like this film. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- I think conceptually it's wonderful idea... I, I don't know if we've really covered enough time travel films for this to come up. Uh, have, have, have we done anything beyond Back to the Future on this show, time travel-wise? Army of Darkness? Um, nothing overt, like a bit of bit of play with it in yeah. like the Avengers series and all that, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, time travel is like, it's almost like zombie movies. I fucking love a time travel yeah. movie. It's one of my things. Don't know why. But do you but... not do you not find do you not find that if you try and think too hard about it, it just all t- like crumbles in your hands like sand? <laughs> I, I used to I used to get really angry about this. I, I, I used to I used to spend a lot of time, too much time, thinking about the paradoxes and, and all that sort of thing. And I'm I'm old. I can't. I basically can't keep a thought in my head for ten minutes now. So I just just go with it, and I seem to enjoy it a bit more. <laughs> but it does annoy me. I think it's quite rare that a film doesn't follow its own internal logic. To be honest, usually it works. It annoys me when. There are problems with it, but I I can think mm. fourth dimensionally. I don't. I'm I'm alright with time travel. I can think that way. It doesn't bother me too much. Mm. Yeah, th- like this franchise gets messy, but we don't know how I feel about the sequels yet, do we? So, uh, <laughs> 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 with regards to this film, it works. Uh, you know, th- there's an idea of fate and all that shit, and I don't like the idea of fate, but I can totally buy the idea of time as a an unchangeable thing and it all being inevitable and i give it a very sturdy eight out of ten well i've gone nine i was really happy with this film i thought it held up as well as i better than i remembered actually mm. better than i because in my memory i thought it was a silly silly arnie film and, and i thought it was a good taut chase film i enjoyed it well i'm i'm pleased you've both gone so high because i i'm also giving it and i i will acknowledge this as an incredibly generous score I feel like I should maybe not be giving it quite as high a score, but I am giving it a 9 as well. I think a lot of that is to do with just the concepts and the legacy and everything mm. being factored into it. There is just something but... about it. I think I think there's something that I, I, 
I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something that James Cameron is bringing to this that lifts it above its sort of B movie status. There's a mm. there's a vision behind it, you know, a talent behind it. Um, yeah, because you know the acting isn't great. the The plot is a bit sloppy, although it's a great concept at its centre. You know, the effects can be a bit dodgy, but it's it it could be a B movie, and it's like, oh, it's that isn't that that film with that wrestler in it? Oh no, it's not a wrestler. Yeah, it's something like that. You know what I mean? It's like it could be such an easily forgettable film with a bit of cult success. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I think there is an element of the second one rising its status up, certainly. I, I mean, should we should we move on to it? Yeah, let's do that. Judgment Day. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Spelt wrong, because the Americans leave the E out. Yeah, so in between this, uh, James Cameron went off and made Aliens... Really, there's a long time between the two films, wasn't really there? Really uh, established himself, and then he made Abyss, which is important because it set up the the, the effects work that they would use for this film. Sort of set the set the precedent for it. Mm. I like the Abyss. I don't. I know we don't. We're not reviewing the Abyss today, but I think that's a good film. I think that gets really badly slated, and I enjoyed it. Well, I I, I think James Cameron in general is a, an incredibly safe pair of hands when it comes to making a. A film. I don't think he's ever really put much of a foot wrong, even if I don't love out and out all of his stuff. I don't think he's really done anything bad. I, I have a feeling Alan's going to think less of this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's going to be hard for me to talk about it without just coming out and saying it. I think Terminator 2 is an absolute cinematic masterpiece. Tour de force. Wow. It is everything filmmaking certainly blockbuster filmmaking should aspire towards it it it, it reminded me of Jurassic Park a bit watching uh watching it again because we we I mean we spoke about that like what a year ago two years ago but um it was a similar era and it was very early kind of look we can do insane special effects work now yeah. like look at this mix it, it was an early uh use of cgi but it, it holds up so well um and it's it's because it's seamlessly blended with practical effects yeah. they they only play to their strengths with it and and frankly watching terminator genesis again last night which also has a liquid terminator in it it doesn't look all that much better than it does in this film no. from 1991. It, it's it is astonishing. But beyond that, um, I think this film builds upon everything from the first Terminator. It refines it. It, it hones in on what worked. It it cuts through a lot of the stuff that didn't work. I I think yeah. it is just an astonishing bit of work. Well, I think I think I agree with with that with with one caveat. So, so I, I, I let me put this into context. This came out in 1991, so I was 16, and I went to the cinema to see this, and I was really, really looking forward to this. You know, Terminator was one of my favorite films. The sequel was coming out. All these special effects had been hyped, and it was going to be this incredible thing, and it, and it was. You know, those effects they they still hold up pretty well now. But I remember sitting in the cinema thinking, "This is incredible." You know, and I agree with you that the 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 story of the the terminators this this unstoppable killing machine you know the twist being that we've got arnie on our side now that that bit works for me the bit that to me, the bit that doesn't work for me in this film is where we expand the world and we tr- we're trying to stop judgment day 
and and I, I get I get that that's you know that that's the whole point of the the film, but but that bit feels baggy to me. That bit feels like we, we we're we're losing the focus of the story. It works for me because when I watched the first Terminator film, um, as a as a teenager, I I was sat there. I was being shown it by a, a friend's parents and my friend. They were like, "Oh, you've got to watch this Terminator film." And the whole way through, I was like. Why don't they just go back in time and stop Skynet from being made? <laughs> and, yeah. and they kept going, oh, well. And I like that this film kind of addresses that head on. Like, yeah, that yeah. would be sensible, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's do that. Um, but I I like them. I think they expand the world perfectly here. I think this is a, an expansion that works, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I think they stumble with the subsequent films, but here they do it. Um yeah. I, everything, everything that's an extension of the first film feels organic and and right. The fact that Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor's grown into this, you mm, know, she's great in this. I badass. think she's really good in this. Yeah, she she's um, the character feels right. John Connor, it's it's kind of not what you would expect to to pick up with this film, and John Connor's like a little bratty tearaway kid but again it, it it works it feels right it's it, it helps recontextualize the film and now this is a big thing for me uh recontextualizing arnie as the good guy oh it's it, it's perfect i what i said about him not really playing as a big menacing thing for me in the previous film well i think he does do the the lovable cuddly good guy i think he does mm. the boy and his dog kind of stuff yeah perfectly and yeah, so yeah. he is brilliant as as this kind of because there's this whole boy and his dog subplot running through this film and it, it actually gives the film legitimate emotional weight in a kind of family mm-hmm. movie sense that that plays perfectly and on the flip side of that you've got robert patrick as the t1000 and i think he is legitimately scary that is Very that sense so. of this is an unstoppable. He, yeah, he's Yul Brynner in Westworld. He's he's just that sort of n- not the big tough guy, just the creepy looking, ferrety, dangerous guy that, that you wouldn't trust as far as you could throw him. But that's it. But he's a different. He's a different kind of threat. He's the kind of guy mm-hmm. who won't he yeah, won't yeah. beat you to a pulp. He'll cut your throat. And that's to me that's scarier. Right? I don't know. I, I just on a broad instinctive level i i feel like i could probably take a beating but i don't feel like i can <laughs> you know be stabbed through the head <laughs> and survive and and it's just there's just something very cat like very precise about the uh the t1000 when compared to the more just like smash everything up approach that uh the other terminator yeah. takes and and I think Robert Patrick is is wonderful. I think he plays it so well. I I actually think Robert Patrick's a really fantastic actor. Um, I've seen him in enough other things to you know I've seen him do some real acting. He was a he he played a guest role in The Sopranos, which I don't know if you two watch The Sopranos. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I've still and not uh, seen it, he no. just he had a, he had a short sort of I don't know six or seven episode character arc, and he was fantastic in that. Just such a good actor. But the, but this is it. They they cast a legit actor in the role, whereas mm. they didn't really with Arnie. And uh, and I think it 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 really pays off. You can tell he's you know studied predatory animals and things and how they move. You can tell he's done all this homework, and the results are fantastic. For me, I think uh, Robert Patrick is. Um, 
other than the T-1000, I probably know him best as the guy who replaced Fox Mulder on the X-Files when David Duchovny left in the, oh, really? the sort of shitty latter seasons. Yeah, he was one of the... When they were like, we can keep this going with new agents, they brought him in as Agent Dagger or Dogger or something. And uh, Is that when David Duchovny went off to, for his stellar film career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and those latter-day X-Files weren't great, but he was... So I yeah I really like Robert Patrick I think he's very good yeah I I do like I I really like the refiguring of Arnie as the good guy I think it's not just because he's better in that role but it's just such a great concept for a sequel uh, yeah and yeah 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 to bring yeah. like the old favorite back you've got essentially the same kind of chase story but they've they tweak it enough to give it new flavor you got Linda Hamilton is now this kind of changed person. Mm. But then you've got the boy there as the as like the innocent still, the one who needs to be protected yeah. to some extent. But he's not like useless either. Yeah, a re- really nice concept for a sequel. I, I think the cast in this film are just all round wonderful. And it, it's such a contrast compared to the first film. Because, you know, it, it's everyone. It's even like Joe Morton as Miles Dyson. He brings such a I really a want to mention that. I, I, there's something about him that I really like. And it's kind of this, yeah. there's a sort of weird nervousness to him, but it's not like play overplayed. Yeah. And then, uh, I, do you know what I think it is? It's because he gets shot in the shoulder. And so when they're walking around, he's trying to look casual. He's got his hand in his pocket so that it looks, so it doesn't yeah. look weird and unnatural. But it means he's yeah. just like, even yeah. in like the most stressful situations of being shot at, he's just casually got his hand in his jeans. And yeah. it sort of gives it this weird, like, oh yeah, I'm just casually yeah. getting shot at kind of thing. But, but he just... He comes across as such a sympathetic, nice guy, mm. and that just makes that whole sequence work because you don't want them to just kill him, even though that would solve everything. You, you yeah, and they set up the family. I, I, I think, yeah. yeah, and I, I think the fact that this film gets as deep into you know that sort of stuff as it does is quite surprising for for this sort of gung ho action movie. And, and and I agree with you. I did like uh, I like the character. I like the actor. But but I still think that, that that whole section, there's about half an hour of the film where we're just trying to break into the, the lab and blow it all up and all that thing. And I just I, I didn't think we needed that. I didn't think I just thought it slowed the film's pace down. We we, we that whole sequence we lose the T one thousand. That was you know, my and the T one thousand is the can I, can I ask you guys, do you know which cut of this film you watched? Yeah. I think I watched a different version because there was a dream sequence with Michael yeah, Bean yeah, in it that yeah. I don't think I've okay. ever seen before. I watched that as well. So, I don't think I've ever seen that before. So, alright, so the original, the theatrical cut of this film is two hours, 17 minutes long, but there is a special edition extended cut, which is, I think, the only version I've ever seen, yeah. which is the one I've got on DVD, which is two hours and 36 minutes, something yeah, like that. About 20 yeah, minutes. And they, pretty long. And they add a load of scenes in, such as that dream sequence with with uh, Michael Bean, such as all the stuff with the orderlies uh, being mean to Linda Hamilton, uh, such as Robert Patrick killing Max. That was just inferred in in the other yeah. ones. Um, I mean, it's a long film, but I I have to say I never once get remotely bored with it. It just it suckers me in, and I love it. And I'd love to watch the theatrical cut. I, I imagine it probably is a bit better, a bit stronger, with a bit of that unnecessary stuff taken out. But I, I definitely noticed, to, yeah, in that section where you mentioned Gareth, uh, Robert Patrick suddenly comes back, and it's like, oh shit, I've completely forgotten about him. And yeah, it, I missed and it was him. Like, I really missed film, him. No, the film's good enough that I wasn't thinking. The film's good enough that I wasn't thinking. Where the fuck is T one thousand? 
I was watching engaged in what was happening, but when he came back, I was like, oh, I'd forgotten about that whole element of the film. I also agree that I was watching this for a long time and it didn't feel overblown particularly. It was only perhaps towards the end where it just gets a bit too too much going on and a bit too much action <clears throat> for me, but that's more my taste, I think. Beyond the uh, the the CGI and the computer effects, beyond the kind of, oh, look how we've made, you know, a man appear to be made out of liquid and so on with uh, practical effects. The the straightforward let's fly a helicopter into the back of a car special effects in this film yeah. are astonishing. The, that action There's scene a, a great the scene early on where, where the T-1000's in the truck and he's chasing and he's on the bike, they're on the motorbikes, they're going through the sewers there. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really taut action scene. I, yeah. I like that scene. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, and there's no CGI there. That's just some yeah, stuntman yeah, in, exactly. in the truck. That's great. And, and this is the thing. Like I, 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 I get... <laughs> criticized sometimes because i can't stand mad max fury road and it's it's just people driving cars around and and people are like oh but it's amazing and it's like yeah it's amazing but give me a story yeah. to like wrap it around wrap it around something don't like i need more than just they're driving in the desert and that's what this film is it is that same level of astonishing mm. like stunt work and this effects work and just like throwing like cars at other cars but You've got all this cool time travel robot stuff going on at the same time, and it's it's great. That's it. I think where it lost me, and not lost is a bit strong, but where I was sort of slacking was at the end after after Dyson like blows up Cyberdyne or whatever it is. Uh, then there's this whole uh, ending action sequence where they T one thousands chasing and all that. It, that was the sequence where it was like we kind of resolved the plot now, and it's just. It's just another action sequence, and it went on for a long time, and that was the bit where I was just like, okay, I've had enough now, come on. And I know what you mean, but I love all that stuff. I think it's done so well, the way the way they have to deal with the, the liquid Terminator. And, and, and what I was saying with the first film, uh, being so full of cool ideas, this film is like three times as many cool concepts and ideas. I mean, you've got the T-1000, that, that's, that alone is just stroke of genius but then they they play with it they really don't shy away from you know make it you know could he could he just be a pack of cigarettes no well he can be the floor oh yeah mm. he can be the floor there's a bit at the end where where he's where, where there's lots of droplets of the liquid metal on the on the floor and you see them just coming together slowly yeah. That's that's again a really ominous scene. Where you think, oh god, it's just time. It's just a matter of time. He's pulling himself back together. You know that that's great tension building. Yeah, I tell you one scene that we we've, we've skipped over that I really enjoyed was the, the the escape from the asylum scene. Oh yeah, that's a really great sequence. Linda Hamilton does it really well. Mm. And the the scene where she runs into Arnie, the way, yeah, and she you yeah. know goes into slow motion, and that's the you know that's her that's her living nightmare. That's the thing that she's not even sure is real or yeah, not. Yeah. It's, it's, she plays that so well. It's a really good piece of acting and a really good piece of filmmaking. I'm always a bit dubious when things suddenly go into slow motion, I must admit. But um, it does work because it's because it's tied into a dream sequence. We've seen her in the yeah. dream sequence running through those corridors before. On, on a similar note to slow motion, if I have one complaint about this film, it is the lifeless Linda Hamilton narration that will occasionally kick in and just like explain everything feels like a studio note yeah <laughs> yeah like, there was oh, one moment gotta... where they're driving to cyberdyne with dyson to go and blow everything up 
And as some... we drove towards Cyberdyne, I had to remind the audience how I was feeling. Do you know, I, I've written exactly the same note in the same place. You're absolutely but right. I was, I was going to ask, is that in the f- proper film or was this one of the deleted scenes that they've added in? Because it just felt like something that should have been cut. Oh, maybe. Yeah, obviously That's why it's didn't there. It? Maybe, yeah. Because it, it, it really feels, like I say, it feels like a studio note. It feels like a Blade Runner. Yeah. You've got to come in and patch over something. Yeah, you know what? That might be... But yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that, and that that's the one, it's the one thing in this film that doesn't do it for me. I got a couple of other things. Um, Go on. <clears throat> they flirt with this idea, never quite get a handle on it that Arnie Terminator is a father figure to John, and yeah. it feels like they they want to do something about that and they never quite do, but then they try and give it a payoff in the same way, and it just doesn't quite work for me. I, I think it works. They need all that. The, so. My very last note here is, and he says, "Sorry, John, I have to go away. Sorry." And I've written, "Where has this emotion come from?" Yeah, that that it felt like that. Well, hang on a minute. Just because he's now dying, why is he suddenly they, care? They come into a lot of no, it. No, John, how... John cares about him way all the way through. There's the bit earlier on where Linda Hamilton wants to smash his brain, and he puts his hand down on in the way of the hammer. No, I, I don't get that. John cares about the Terminator, but it's the other way around. Why, why does the Terminator, because, other than to protect him, why does he because care? Because they flipped a switch in his brain so he could learn. And he learns to feel. He learns to feel <laughs> I emotion. Get that. I just didn't feel there was enough learning. Because this boy took the time to teach him to smile <laughs> and to teach him to say hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, we haven't really talked about the comedy bits. <laughs> there is that specific scene in the car where he's teaching him to smile or, 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 uh, and how to be sort of nice and stuff. And, I, and, oh, and saying, yeah, teaching him all the slang, basically. Yeah, tell him... Well, a double dumbass on you. <laughs> and uh, I like that because it's actually quite quick. It's a little bit of comic relief in this scene. It's, it's, they don't dwell on it. Mm. And it all pays off later as well. It's, it, I, I love it. I think it's really nicely, totally written, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to say, I, um, for whatever reason, I actually watch these films out of order. I, I pull the Gareth Allen and uh, <laughs> re-watch them out of order. And I watch the third one before the second one. The third one, not to get too ahead, but there is a lot of like very egregious comedy stuff yeah. dropped in. Mm. And I was sat there thinking, why did they do this? Because uh, I didn't remember any comedy in these films from James Cameron. But then when I got here, there's there's a lot of little comedy moments. There's a lot of brevity, but it works here. It works so well. And I just think James Cameron has a, a good grip on what he's doing, I suppose. He just, yeah. I'll tell you what James Cameron's not good at. <clears throat> Go on. Uh, sort of natural dialogue. Uh, <laughs> it was like, there was a bit where they go to the desert and they meet Enrique, who's like holding all the weapons and that. And it's like yeah. when Sarah and Enrique are conversing and it's just like, it's like the it's like the soldiers in Aliens. It's just like this banter is so weak. And a big chunk of that is uh, added to the extended cut that we watched. I think a big chunk of that is taken out in the original. Well, cut. I obviously could tell. It was- I, yeah, that's that's true. I, I don't remember that. I don't remember that being so long <laughs> before. So yes, there's one really great scene that I love that I want to mention, and it's when the foster parents are killed. Oh, I love it! Yeah, that whole scene oh is God. just perfect. It's like on the other yeah. side of the phone. You see Hitchcockian it- tension, and <laughs> yeah. you know something's not right. 
and then yeah. then they kill the guy off screen, but you're waiting to see what she's actually done to him. And the reveal is great. And, that and shot where it just pans yeah. across. It's the crazy. reveal is great, oh. isn't it? You, you almost think, well, there's no need to show. We, we know what's happened. And then you see and you say, ah, actually, that's, yeah, that looks great. It's a fantastic effect. Darkly comedic at the same time yes. as being like, quite shocking and unnerving and, and yeah. menacing and, and the whole thing with the bit where Arnie says oh we'll have a good day in English and then and then <laughs> T-1000 oh, replies in English instead of Austrian instead of German. Oh I love this film Alan, I love it. <laughs> yeah, Now John Connor throughout this series <clears throat> bit, bit of a dick isn't he? Yeah. This is the one this is the one film where I can get away with John Connor where I'm alright with him because he is a bit of a dick but he's a kid. You got to give him a bit a weird, of slack. He's yeah. had a hard life. Yeah. You can tell he's a you can tell he's a delinquent though because he listens to Guns N' Roses. Only bad kids <laughs> listen to Guns N' Roses. He's got a friend with a mullet. He has an extremely nineties haircut, but <laughs> it's not too bad. You know, it, it, it gets away with it. It's not like that fucking dead dog on Linda Hamilton's head <laughs> in the previous one. Yeah. And but you've got. Uh, I like how he's got uh, a computer's a magic way to get money out of cash machines. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. It's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. All kids were hackers in the 90s, Alan. This is, this is just... <laughs> I love that, though, in those films. It's just like, yeah, you can do anything, basically. Well, that pays off later, doesn't it, with the door yeah. code? The, uh, what is he, a psychologist or psychiatrist, probably, uh, played by Earl Bowen, Dr. Silverman, who's mm-hmm. uh, in charge of Linda Hamilton. He's in the first film. As the person they bring yeah. in to see, what, yeah. trying to figure out what's going He's on. He's a recurring character, isn't yeah. he? Doesn't uh, doesn't believe anything she says until Terminator walks in and slaps him around the face. That's a nice tie-in with the first film, and then they pull mm. it out in the third mm. one as well. It feels a bit egregious. Mm. I, I do, I do quite like in general the way that the uh, the sort of real world interacts with this with what's happening. So, you know, the police turn up and they're saying, you know, they turn up at the asylum and say to her, look, we've got this CCTV of this guy and this is the CCT of 1984. It looks like the same guy. And of course, you know, we know it's the Terminator and it's a different one and all this. But but to them, of course, it's the same guy and he shot these 13 police officers. Yeah. I, I think it's quite interesting how you see that how would the police yeah. cope with such a situation? You know, it's, it's obviously all absurd. Mm. One, one scene definitely want to talk about is that surgery scene the brain surgery scene oh yeah. another oh, wonderful yes. bit of movie magic and and this is why I, yeah. I love practical effects because it is can there is something magic about it it's like even when you know it's done it is like oh hey, that's really clever as opposed to oh we did it with computers yeah. do you know how that's done i do no go do you on. know do you not know gareth how they do that scene in the movie no go on tell me because so, well, let's, let's just describe the scene there they're doing surgery on Arnie's brain and then it sort of pans around and you can see his reflection in the mirror, but the camera's not in the reflection in the mirror. And Linda Hamilton's in the reflection in the mirror and she's in the shot where, where uh, yeah. she's doing the brain surgery. So go on, Sol, how is it done? Instead of doing some trickery on Arnie's head, instead of creating a mirror, they created a window. And they had Arnie sat facing the camera on the other side in the, the quote-unquote reflection and a fake head in front of the camera for her to actually like be digging around in. But Sol, we see clearly see Linda Hamilton both in the <laughs> camera and on the reflection. How is that possible? Uh, Linda Hamilton has a sister, an identical <laughs> twin <laughs> sister. <laughs> yep. Shut up. Oh, wow. So that's how she got the job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and we they, see this, they, and obviously they... we see this later on as well when the T one thousand takes the form of Sarah Connor, and we see them both in the same shot. It's not, it's not a split screen or anything like that. It's just, um, yeah. So, uh, Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. They use that same exact trick for um, when when the T one thousand takes the form of the uh, the cop. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Hey, it's my lucky day." Yeah. And then uh, turns around and sees himself. Do you know their names? The two twins. Um, Larry and Barry? No, but you're not far off. <laughs> Don Stanton and Dan Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's perfect. For, for a small role like that, I just need to be able to do a few lines. You just, yeah, higher mm. identical twins. Perfect. But yeah, that scene, where the brain surgery scene is... It's an iconic scene now, I think, I guess. But but it's beautiful. It's it's classic cinema. Like, bit, a little bit of movie trickery. It's great. It it feels like an apology for the rubber face in the first film. Yes, honestly, yes. it feels like it feels like James Cameron felt like someone said something to him at a party, and he was like, "I'll show you." We're gonna go all out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, did did you notice that in in that kind of final, well, when they're having a big battle and he shoots all the police officers, or he shoots all the police cars to scare them off or whatever, and he doesn't actually yeah. kill anyone. And it comes up on yeah, his yeah. point of view, like I read a thing. It says, human casualties, 0.0. Yeah, what's the death Yeah, that was interesting. I know, I saw that. It was a weird. <laughs> it's a very well, much that's, a yes that's, that's, situation. That's if Danny DeVito had turned up for another Arnie Danny DeVito cameo <laughs> project. And he'd go, 0.5. 0.5. <laughs> eh, 0.6, let's be generous. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Terminator Two, a classic of modern cinema, definitely. So, do you want to rate it? Is there anything else you'd like to bring up? The, to me, this is basically a perfect movie. This is about as close to perfect as I think mm. film gets within this sort of genre, doing what it's doing. So, so no surprise from me. This is a this is a ten out of ten, and I mean, this is one of my all time favorite films. It's in my top ten films of all time. I love it. Wow, that's uh, a bit strong for me, but okay. Uh, I do like the film, uh, but like I say, I think there's a couple of misfires in there, as we've discussed. Nothing too major. I still enjoy it. I give it a, a very uh, sturdy and solid eight. I'm, I'm also an eight. I, I, I think I sort of agree with Saul, almost. <laughs> I think I think the bits of this film that I like are, are the best, one of the best films, you know, one of my favourite films. But then there's just that 20 minutes that feel like they're not really necessary, where we... The whole Miles Dyson bit, I just don't think that bit's necessary. And whilst it's not terrible, it just takes me out of the moment. And and so I'm I'm giving it an eight. I don't disagree. I think that could have been Terminator Three, but mm-hmm. I just yeah. love it. I don't mind that it's there. I love it. <laughs> um, Fair enough. And and you know what? One of the other things I love this film for, there's a real sense of finality. There's a real sense of you know what. That's Terminator. We don't need any more. Where'd you go from here? Well, it's done. Yeah, we've stopped Judgment Day. Yeah. Brilliant. So Everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, should we mention a couple of the spin-offs? Uh, yeah, go on then. All right. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, the video game. Yeah. Uh, one of the worst video games. Maybe the worst video game I've ever played in my life. One out of ten. <laughs> what is, can you give us more specifics awful. on what is awful about it? Oh, it's awful. Um... And I should specify, this is not the arcade game I'm talking about. I think that's quite a well-regarded one. But uh, it's you basically play as the Terminator, and you start in a bar, and you have to walk right and punch. And you just punch everyone. 
but the controls are so fucking clunky. Like, I think you can jump, but there's no kind of... The jump animation is like the legs bend and then he just lifts off the ground. It's like, it's, it's, oh, it's shit. It's so bad. I hate it. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, T2, 3D, Battle Across Time, the Terminator 2 ride. Uh, uh, is it Universal Studios? Have you ever, no. you ever done that? No. What the hell are you talking about, Sol? When you said spin offs, I thought you meant television programs. You're talking about a fucking. You're talking about a roller coaster here. Have you, have you not been there? Have you not done it? No, I'm fucking grown up. <laughs> oh, it is it is astonishing. It's so fucking great. I think James Cameron was heavily involved. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and Robert Patrick all filmed stuff, and Edward Furlong they all filmed stuff, and then they seamlessly integrate it with like live action actors on the stage in front of you. And uh, and this is a roller. What's happening? Is this a roller coaster? What what are you talking about? It's a show. About? It's a show. You you go in. You you queue up and you're queuing through Cyberdyne systems, and they're like, "Oh, welcome to Cyberdyne. Right. We're going to show you our latest whatever." And then you you get shown off like the new models of robots, and your chairs are shaking, and and you know they're spraying like okay. mist in your face and whatever. And then like a big time, but you've got three D glasses on. And then a big, like, 3D time ball appears in front of you. And you're like, wow, 3D effects from 1996. This is really cool. And then, <laughs> like, a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger body double and a Linda Hamilton body double with, like, sunglasses and stuff on have, like, snuck in through a trapdoor behind the 3D thing. So it disappears and they're there. And you're like, oh my god! And then they like ride a motorbike around on stage and, and then Robert Patrick tries to kill them and they freeze him and when they shatter him you get sprayed with mist. It's, oh, it is, honestly, it's the best example of one of these rides that I've ever been on. It's it's phenomenal. Right, well, I, I, I accept it as the best example of one of these <laughs> rides. <laughs> I, I don't know why you're turning your nose up. People like Universal Studios. It, uh... I've read that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Have you ever been to Disneyland, Gareth? Uh, no, but I went to Legoland once and the queues were terrible and I left. <laughs> oh, God. Not for me. All right, well. And there is another spin-off. The Sarah Connor Chronicles, but fuck it. Guess what I'm going to say, guys? Um, that you're going to be back at some point? Yeah. <laughs> Next week, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll also be returning. Okay, yeah. Uh, join us next week for the rest of the Terminator franchise. In the meantime, if you would like to help support the show, you can you can, uh, you can can rate us on iTunes. That would be a good way of doing it. Or you can join our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash Diminishing Returns Podcast. Uh, that's the, probably the easiest way to get any updates uh, on what we're doing and you can also message us on there if you want to talk to us directly uh, little, little, little community um, tell us how you feel about the Terminator uh, yeah so go there that's a nice way to support the podcast bye bye get your ass to Mars <laughs>